0: Hello and welcome to the MGMA Insider Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Today we're joined by Colin Carr, CEO of Carr Healthcare Realty. Colin's here to talk about whether practices should lease or buy their office space. Colin, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, you've got a unique background, you've carved out sort of a specialty in healthcare real estate. How did that come about?
1: So I have an interesting path to healthcare real estate. I started managing apartment complexes when I was 19. I got my broker's license and started doing uh, site selection and negotiations when I was 23. I started uh, primarily in retail, working for large retailers like uh, Walmart, Wendy's, people like that. Um, After a couple years, I started doing uh, industrial. And, and getting more into office space, and I went through a phase where, you know, young in my career, it basically if there was a deal and it moved, I would I would chase it. So uh, I found myself a handful of years into brokerage, and I was doing industrial, office, land, uh, retail, and really just just if I could add value or find a way to, to help in a certain way, I would I would do my best to do that. And so um, after a number of years of, of really being a generalist <clears throat> and working on both the landlord uh, and the seller side and also the tenant buyer side, uh, I, I had my chance to do a couple healthcare deals and I was astounded by a couple things. Number one was how, how thankful and appreciative the, the doctors were that we worked for as far as us helping them in the process and, and also just how um, little experience and expertise they had in those processes. And so it, it was kind of a wake-up call for me. I did a couple of healthcare deals and uh, extremely thankful and satisfied clients. And uh, I saw that, that me helping them in the transaction was really impacting them personally. It was impacting their practices. And I, I just I got the vision for, uh, what it would look like for me to have what I call the most impact and influence that I could have in a transaction. And I got really excited about working in the healthcare industry.
0: What was it about it that uh, interested you so much? Is there something unique about a healthcare deal? I mean, I know a building's a building, but I know that when you get inside those walls and it's a it's a medical practice and there are patients flowing through there, I mean, what what's different about the energy, the vibe, or just the deal itself when you're talking about healthcare? Yeah, so I can hit that from two different sides.
1: I can hit it from a positive and from a negative side. Um, the positive side is I remember working with a specific doctor who was trying to start her own practice, and she was part of a hospital system and, and wanted to continue working there part-time but really wanted to own her own practice, and she, she just had no idea what she was doing. She had no idea what the process looked like. She didn't know, you know, what type of building was the best fit for, location, Uh, certainly didn't understand the economics or how the negotiations worked. And you know, she could have uh, winged it and just tried her best, but I think she realized quickly that there's a lot of money on the line. And so I was able to come in there and hold her hand, help her in the process, uh, eliminate a lot of the stress and anxiety that comes with it, uh, be a buffer between her and the landlord so that she didn't have to absorb the conflict and confrontation that you get during a negotiation. Um, helped assemble teams, you know, people that, that need to be there—lenders, architects, contractors, etc.—and really just just coach and quarterback the deal. So um, the idea of helping that that doctor open their own practice, um, or helping other people renegotiate their leases or buy buildings, and and taking the guesswork out—that um, that was exciting to me, and and ultimately uh, it was fulfilling because the person really it, it really mattered to them. Um, there's. Prior to that, I did a lot of corporate real estate and worked for a lot of national companies and, and you just don't have that same personal touch as you do with a lot of healthcare providers. So that's the positive side. Uh, the negative side is I was working for um, one of the largest medical landlords in the country, uh, publicly traded uh, REIT, a real estate investment trust that owns you know tremendous amount of properties. And there was a, uh, it was a medical office building and there was a doctor who was coming up for a lease renewal. They'd been in the building 10 years, their lease was about to expire. And I remember talking to the asset manager and he asked me a couple of specific questions. He said, uh, and, and and again, I was working for the landlord on this transaction. He said, uh, does the doctor know the market? And I said, no. Uh, does the doctor have a broker? No. Uh, Is the doctor willing to move? And the answer was no, because I'd interviewed the doctor, talked to him. And so the landlord, uh, the asset manager said, all right, go back to him at a $31 per square foot lease rate. And uh, I paused and I said, you know, well he's he's paying well below that right now. And you know, we're marketing spaces that would get $24, $25 a square foot in the building. So, and his response was, yeah, but he doesn't know that. He's not gonna move and you know, we're here to make money. And so, you know, I pushed back and I said, well uh, what kind of free rent are we gonna give him? And the answer was zero. What kind of tenant improvement allowance are we gonna offer him? The answer was zero. And I had done other deals in the property with, the, with this landlord where the, the tenants were represented by other brokers or uh, they were sophisticated and the economics were tremendously more favorable. And so here was a situation where the doctor didn't know what he was doing, didn't have the, the skill set to do it himself, hadn't hired someone, wasn't willing to move, and the landlord uh, was gonna capitalize on that to the tune of literally several hundred thousand dollars in the landlord's favor over the next 10-year lease. And the reality is this, is that people are in business to make money, and that's what landlords do. You know, and if you turn the tables, and the doctor owned the building, you know, he might have had the same approach towards another tenant, but I just, I had, again, another one of those moments where I realized uh, these people need our help, and uh, if they're, if they're not getting fair deals or, or, or favorable deals, that impacts the staff they can hire. It impacts uh, the quality of care they provide. It impacts the type of buildings they can be located in, and, and ultimately it, it hurts the doctor as well. And it creates additional stress uh, and pain points that shouldn't be there. So, I just I had one of those moments where I just realized, look, uh, everyone deserves to to have their shot at making the best deal possible. Uh, but I just I felt that the doc that doctor was. Uh, uh, was compromised and was exposed, and I, I don't want to call it like a like a justice or a righteousness cause, but for me personally, it was a situation where I, I just I made the decision uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the other side of the table and I'm gonna help the doctors get the deals that they should be getting. And so over the next couple months, I basically wound down all my landlord work and all my other types of deals that I was working on, industrial, retail, et cetera, and I decided to go 100% healthcare and I decided to go 100% on the, the doctor side for tenants and buyers.
0: What's that done to your business? I mean, is is that helpful to have that kind of focus and specialty um, as opposed to being that generalist who just will turn any deal that's out there? Absolutely. I mean, it's
1: really no different. I mean, a lot of the medical providers, they, they get this clearly. so you know, you have family practice and internal medicine and you have people that can help diagnose and then send you to the right specialist, but the bottom line is if you need a hip replacement, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to the family practice doctor for that, you know, if you've got, you know, if, if you need dialysis, like you're not going to a chiropractor and so there, there's a lot of real estate brokers that try to be all things to all people or touch any deal and I was one of those real estate brokers for a long time and that works to an extent as far as yes, you can get deals done and yes, you can help people lease spaces, but ultimately it's not the same level of expertise that, that someone's looking for. And, and I, I don't wanna you know, equate a real estate transaction to a hip replacement, but here's the bottom line. Uh, depending on the size of space, depending on the, the, the part of the country you're in, you mess up a commercial real estate transaction by even a little bit, and I mean that could be several hundred thousand dollars and increased rent payments or lost concessions, you know, over a five or ten year period of time. So, you know, if a doctor's on a you know a fifteen twenty percent profit margin, they sign a bad lease, they overpay by two hundred three hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's easily be a million to a million three or a million five of additional production that they have to, to produce to pay the bills on that mistake. So, um, the idea of a of a real estate agent being focused and having the expertise on just the healthcare side and not working for any landlords or sellers, not having any conflicts of interest, uh, that can move the needle for the doctors uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the a, on a transaction, and when they understand how much is at stake, uh, they want an advocate who is gonna take the best care of them possible, and so it, it's been very attractive for uh, healthcare providers to know that somebody's focused just on their world and their fiduciary
0: is just to them. Mm-hmm. Now, you know the saying, like most people do, that real estate is all location, location, location. When we're talking about healthcare space, how does that play into it? When when you're helping guide somebody, whether it's for a purchase or a lease, what is the role that location is playing in that decision? So
1: location plays a a major role in the success of many practices. Um, I would I would tweak that a little bit. There, there's certain uses and certain types of uh, practices that location is is paramount. But I would change it to negotiation, negotiation, negotiation. And this is where I think a lot of people um, they kind of glaze over this concept, or they just assume that they're going to get a decent deal and it's close enough. And this is where people don't understand the, the true economic fallout of a bad negotiation. And so you get a you get a doctor that's in you know you know, 5,000 square feet, and if they sign a lease, and let's say that lease is even a couple dollars per square foot higher than it should have been, like if it's, you know, three, four dollars a square foot, well that's, that's 15, $20,000 per year in additional rent they didn't have to pay if it was done properly. You take that over 10 years, it's 150, $200,000 uh, in additional rent, and then you gotta produce enough to have money left over to pay that bill. And then you start looking at concepts like, you know, free rent and build periods and annual increases and tenant improvement allowances and concepts like that and it's really easy for you know an unsophisticated or uneducated healthcare provider just to assume they're getting a decent deal and have it cost them literally hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know location is paramount you know, if you need to be on a hospital campus um, or if you need to be adjacent to a surgery center or have a surgery center inside your facility or if you need to be you know in the same complex or area as key referral sources location is, is paramount Um, but that's you know that's where a lot of people stop is once they find the location they assume the rest is gonna work out and it's just not the case Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of reasons for that so
0: yeah so we all know what a finished practice looks like they they might have a little tweak here and there but they tend to look pretty similar when you're out there finding space for someone, whether it is for a purchase or for a lease, are you only looking at other existing practices or can you turn a McDonald's into a medical practice? I know that's an extreme example, but are there other office spaces that can be custom fit and customized to then become a medical practice or do they need to be, you know, kind of stay in their lane?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. For for our personal uh, approach to any transaction, we always look at every available option in the market. So we'll certainly look at, at, at spaces that were formerly a medical or healthcare practice, but a lot of times people moved out of those because they weren't a fit anymore. And sometimes they moved out because they needed a larger space, but a lot of times they they move out because it's not the quality or it's not the design or layout or ergonomics. So we'll certainly look at those spaces, But but our approach to the market is that you know, a healthcare provider needs to look at all their options. They need to look at everything that's, that's existing and is already built out, but they also need to look at, at you know, other spaces that they could build out and customize for their personal use. Um, and the same really goes for, for whether they should lease or own. Um, we, we always encourage our clients, like, don't make the decision before you've seen the market. Don't decide that you only want to lease if there could be a phenomenal opportunity for you to purchase that could cost you less effectively than leasing and after 20 years could yield you an asset that was worth millions of dollars that you wouldn't have had if you only leased. And so we tell our clients and really anyone we talk to is go to the market, you know, obviously have someone take you to the market who's qualified and has the expertise, but go to the market, look at all your options, built out or shelf space or new buildings, uh, existing or second generation, and then also look at look at lease versus purchase. Depending on the use, you might look at some retail options. If you're in urgent care, if your uh, certain practices make sense to go into retail, other ones make more sense in office. But um, don't don't make the decision prior to you going and seeing what's available. And really, if someone does a, a good, efficient job taking you to the market, I mean, you shouldn't have to invest more than an hour and a half, two hours to see every option available to you that's been pre-qualified, predetermined, um, and, and, and evaluated to where you're not looking at options that don't make sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, healthcare professionals are extremely busy. Uh, There's burnout, there's staffing issues, there's issues with technology, patient engagement. But what you're saying is there's something else they have to think about too, and that's real estate. How steeped in real estate knowledge do they need to be? I mean, what's the time uh, and effort that needs to be put into... Uh, finding space for someone at a practice, and you know, what's their hill or mountain that they have to climb to be able to do that? Well, th- there's basically two
1: options for these guys. They can take on all the responsibility and obligations to become a market expert, which frankly, they don't have the time, and, and even if they wanted to, they it wouldn't have uh, the ability to have that expertise in that short a period of time. So you can try the do-it-yourself approach and become the market expert, um, but you're not gonna do it as well and you're gonna lose a lot of productivity and, and you're gonna sacrifice the results. The, the alternative method is you hire someone uh, who is an expert in commercial real estate who understands the healthcare industry and then that person takes on the, the lion's share of the work. If that's done and that process is followed, the, the doctor or the office administrator's uh, uh, involvement should just be just getting educated enough to where they can make an informed decision. And so that would be literally could be, uh, you know, an hour and a half, two hour property tour of the top options, and then evaluating, you know, comparison spreadsheets that compare the properties to each other when you start negotiating with multiple owners, and then ultimately choosing the right property. And then you move forward with key vendors such as architects or contractors. But if it's done right, I mean, the idea is to, to, to limit the healthcare provider's time to only a couple hours. Uh, in the beginning of a transaction and then only as needed later on to facilitate that transaction. It's the whole idea of hiring someone to do it for you so that you don't waste your valuable time during that process.
0: Right. But there's still that that uh, question that needs to be answered and it's the one you've posed, do you purchase it or do you lease it? And what are the factors that weigh on making that decision? Absolutely. So, uh, we talk to our clients and tell them, look, there, there, there's two sides
1: of making a decision for a property. There's the economic side of the transaction, what do the numbers say, and then there's there's the emotional or personal side, which is just what do you like, what do you want, you know, what makes the most sense. Because you could have a property that makes a ton of sense financially, but if you don't like the building or location, it, it's not where you should go. And ultimately, uh, or alternatively, you can have the scenario where you love the location, but if you can't afford it, that's not the right location. So. Um, really, uh, we start with economics because that usually makes or breaks a scenario. Doesn't matter how much you like a property, if you can't afford it, or it's too expensive, or you can't get financing. So, we start with economics, and every property should be evaluated um, based upon what it costs to lease or own. And then you've got to you got to go beyond just running like a mortgage calculator. You've got to look at what are the tax deductions to owning, what does the depreciation look like, what does the appreciation look like. Um, what's my exit strategy if I were to purchase this property? And, and you've gotta look at it from an economic perspective. So if you, someone was considering purchasing versus leasing, um, first is it comes down to what's available and what are your options? What are your purchase options? What are your lease options? Then you've gotta actually fully negotiate those proposals and those, those deals because you've gotta know what it actually costs. You can't just go off an asking rate or a face rate. You've gotta go beyond that and actually say what does the deal look like if we were fully negotiated and we could proceed with, uh, with, with actually moving forward the property. Once you have those numbers, then you can do a comparison as far as purchase versus lease. What's the true cost of owning versus leasing when you factor in principal pay down, tax deductions, depreciation, appreciation, et cetera. And then you should be able to get to a place where you can look at a, a detailed comparison that your agent puts together for you and you can say this makes a lot more sense financially for me once you hit that level, then it becomes all right. Where do I want to go emotionally or personally? Which property do I want to see, do? I want to be in for the next ten, fifteen, twenty years, and so it's got to be a combination of the numbers have to work, but you also have to emotionally or or personally want to be there as well and believe it's the best location or property for your practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you brought up you brought up something interesting earlier. You said it's really about negotiation, so. What are the key strategies that a, a practice can take on to save them money and, and uh, benefit them down the road? So uh, one of the number one mistakes
1: that, that people make during any negotiation is they don't know all their options. They, they find an option or they hear about an option and then they proceed with that option or that property full speed ahead but they don't have anything to compare it to or, or they think they have something to compare it to but they don't have accurate information. And So you know, an initial key strategy for negotiating successful is you need to negotiate with multiple properties and multiple owners. And, and uh, another mistake that, that a lot of healthcare providers make is it is a tight-knit community. There's a lot of synergy with practices, referring patients, with, with colleagues knowing each other. And so a lot of times they'll ask each other, well, what are you paying or what did you get? but that's not usually a good benchmark because if they negotiated an inferior deal or they have a bad lease rate and they think it's decent, they're basically perpetuating the idea of a bad deal being market and that's not the case. So if you negotiate with multiple landlords or multiple sellers and you go multiple rounds of negotiations before you get to best and final and then you compare those best and final terms to each other, that gives you a benchmark for you know, should you be receiving a lease rate of, you know, of $28 a square foot or $32 per square foot? Is is nine months free rent market or is five months free rent market? Is, it, is a tenant improvement allowance of $50 a square foot, is that good? Or is it really, should it really be $65 a square foot? And if you don't have uh, bona fide offers that you have, have gone through the process of getting through negotiations, if you don't have those in hand, you really you're really guessing it's again trying to go buy something even just a commodity but not having anything to compare it to is is it a good price is a fair price can you get it better somewhere else um you know what what is the right deal for you and if you're only negotiating with one landlord or one property or you don't have good market intel and good market data you're really at a disadvantage i mean the, the landlords they take the time and energy to have their their Uh, employees, their staff, their property managers, their brokers, consultants, those guys survey the market. They know what other people are offering, they know what's a good deal, what's an aggressive deal, and so they have a huge advantage on the doctor healthcare provider if that doctor healthcare provider is not educated, and that gets back to the idea of can the doctor really do it themselves properly, and the answer is
0: typically no. Now Let's look at it from, we talked about customizing the space, let's say you bought or leased uh, an existing practice, but you need to customize it, uh, just to give people an idea, what's that going to entail? I mean, what's the time frame? What's the, what's the cost to build it out to fit what you need? Absolutely. So
1: really, that's, that's uh, one of two answers. Sometimes if the space was already healthcare or if it was already in a format that would work for you, if you can get away with this cosmetic upgrades, like let's say carpet and flooring, paint, ceiling tiles, lights, concepts like that, those don't require you to pull a, berm, a building permit in most jurisdictions. And so if it's cosmetic in nature, just let's call it the, you know, the, four, the four walls, the floor and ceiling, those are concepts that can typically get addressed within several weeks. You could, you could potentially get it done as soon as a week or two, three weeks and those are quick and those are easy and typically an architect or, uh, or a, uh, a small contractor could help you make those adjustments quickly. If the space requires renovation to where you're moving walls, adjusting plumbing, uh, adjusting electrical or you're doing a full build out, in those scenarios you've got to get an architect involved who can help design the space. They will then engage and bring in an engineer as well that will help you with mechanical, electrical and plumbing uh, components and then the two of those uh, groups they'll put together uh, what's typically referred to as the construction documents and those are the two foot by three foot blueprints that can be 40 to 100 pages long and those have every aspect and detail of the space that's going to get built out. At that point that gets submitted to building departments they approve them or ask for adjustments and then once you receive the go-ahead the contractor can start building out the space. So the components are, or the partners are, architects who bring in the engineers, and then, and then going through the permitting process, and then the contractor can then build out what was designed and spec. And some, sometimes that is one group that has everything, architect, engineers, and contractors all in one company in-house, and then other, uh, other areas or other parts of the country, it's more common to have that be three separate individual parties that each do their part. And so, whereas cosmetic upgrades could take, you know, one, two, three weeks, potentially, uh, if you're doing a, a larger renovation, that could take uh, three or four months just to do the build out and to actually improve the space, but you could end up with another two or three months prior to that with the design and with the permitting process. So, uh, small small cosmetic upgrades within a couple of weeks, if it's a full build out or a major renovation, that could take, uh, on the short end of things, five, six months, or take up to eight or nine months, depending on the jurisdiction and, and how busy the people are that are working on the project.
0: Hmm. Well, let's look at it. If you if you choose to buy, but you also envision additional space in, in the space that you do, do end up buying. So in essence, you become a landlord. Have you worked on projects like that where you've placed uh, groups where then they became the landlord to other physicians and, and healthcare uh, professionals as well? Absolutely, yeah, we have a
1: lot of clients buy real estate uh, that has additional space left over that they uh, envision maybe growing into in the future, or they wanna have that extra space as just a nice investment for uh, an additional revenue stream or asset, so... Um, helping those clients buy those buildings, the numbers have to work for them as an occupier and as a landlord, so you need to run those numbers two ways. As long as they're occupying the space, do the numbers make sense? And then what if they were to sell the practice, would they still make sense for the next person to buy their practice and be an occupant or a tenant? And so you run it as an occupier and also as a landlord from an investment standpoint. And then uh, as far as building out a space for themselves or other people, that those are just all costs that you have to factor into the deal to make sure that the entire transaction works. And again, that's another area that a lot of healthcare providers make mistakes is that, you know, they go to run the numbers to buy a building and all they do is run the mortgage, but they don't run the operation costs or the ongoing capital expenditures that are needed. They don't run the numbers with, with the taxes, insurance, the property management, and the maintenance, or the additional leasing costs or, or occupancy costs for future tenants to be in the building. What does it cost to do a lease transaction with a new tenant if you have to you know, help them build up the space or, or, or pay for a transaction. So it's important to understand all the costs that are involved in a deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we've been talking about purchase versus lease. Um, two of the doctors that I've, I've ha- had as my doctors in the past, I've both watched them over the years actually buy land and then develop uh, new buildings and then put their space there Have you, have you worked with that at all? The development side of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oftentimes, uh,
1: what the doctors want is not available. And, uh, we've had that, uh, we had that, we have it every day. So we help, you know, hundreds of people every year buy land to build their own building because, uh, sometimes it's a custom layout or they have to have specific attributes to the building that aren't there. Or a lot of times there's just nothing available. I mean, for instance, in, in this market right now, we're, you know, we're in middle of 2019, it's one of the most competitive real estate markets that, that anyone's ever seen. So you have a lower inventory of available properties for sale or for lease. In those situations, if the doctor wants to own and there's nothing available for them to buy for an existing building, then your only option then is to go find land. And that can be a phenomenal situation. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking out my window right now in South Denver and I keep, I'm looking down the road and we had a, a large fertility clinic that needed a very specific uh, uh, layout, a specific entrance and they had to have a lot of requirements of no, no other tenants touching their space, their building, um, just from just the way they wanted to run their practice and so, you know, find a 15,000 square foot building that was exactly the way they wanted and the exact location was very challenging so in that scenario, uh, finding a nice piece of ground uh, in a great location with great access, uh, that was able to be customized the way they wanted, that was the perfect solution for them and that's that was the right transaction. So, buying land, building or developing your own property or building uh, is a great solution for a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if you want 2,000 square feet, that's maybe not the right transaction because you're not gonna have enough of an economy of scale, that's, that'd be the equivalent of trying to build like a 500 foot house if you will, it just doesn't quite make sense numbers wise, but Uh, If it's the right square footage, the right location, and you can buy the ground at the right price, that's ultimately what determines it. And really, you know, when people say, well, does it make sense for me to buy a piece of ground and build my own building, uh, usually the defining factor is how much the ground costs. I mean, what it costs to build a building and to build the interior aspects of the building, those are pretty standard costs. They adjust per market, but those are pretty, pretty straightforward. Usually what makes or breaks a project is what is the ground cost and what does it cost to finish that property or to improve the land. And so uh, that's that's kind of the make or break when it comes to that aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we've covered a lot of topics, a lot of areas of real estate here. What are some final thoughts, some final best practices that you'd advise a practice who may be considering, they, they, they know they need to move, maybe they've outgrown their current space, but they've got all of these options here we've been talking about so what do they do now how do they put up pen to paper put all this uh you know on a on a table and discuss it and come up with a decision absolutely so uh,
1: i would give a, a couple of pieces of information to hopefully uh hopefully you know just make sure people are are really paying attention to what's at stake um the first thing i would tell people is uh, A lot of people think with a lease renewal that you can't renegotiate terms or that you're not gonna get as good of terms as if you were a new tenant and that's not correct. So the first thing I'd say is don't miss a huge opportunity to improve yourself financially during a lease renewal just because you're already in a building, number one. Number two, uh, make sure that you understand all your options. Uh, You need to look at options to lease and you need to look at options to purchase. Uh, Number three, in order to make the best decision or actually to really capitalize, you've gotta have market information and intel. And if you're trying to do that part-time or or, or moonlighting there, you're gonna have a a hard time really capitalizing on the opportunity. So ultimately, those concepts come down to it makes the most sense to hire an expert representation uh, who can help you in the process. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot lot of times there's a misnomer there that, well, I I wanna try to save money, but The the mistake in that approach is is that when you're looking at the tenant or buyer if you're a healthcare provider, you don't determine what commissions get paid. The landlord or seller already determined that. So a lot of times people get the idea of it's kind of like a forced sale by owner, I'll just do it myself. But the reality is you're not the owner. And so if the owner's already decided to pay commissions to two brokers and you show up and try to do a transaction by yourself, the listing agent gets two commissions. They get a double commission. So you find a lot of healthcare providers trying to be cheap or trying to save money or thinking that they're being savvy by the I'll do it myself approach. And what happens is they're doing the job of somebody else yet they're not getting paid for it and then they get inferior terms. So my my biggest piece of advice for people is, is hire representation that can help you with the process. Just like patients come to you to help diagnose what's actually happening or to make sure that you're not missing something that's life threatening or life changing, Uh, or that would just be a wellness or overall improvement. Like you rely upon patients to come to you because you are the expert and you can dramatically improve their life. It's the same approach. Don't try to have the patient be the doctor. Understand the roles. When it comes to real estate, hire someone who's qualified, who has your interests in mind, who has a fiduciary to you, who will help you maximize the opportunity to save the most amount of money possible and then they will walk you through these options. They'll tell you if this property makes more sense if you can get a better deal over here, if, if, if buying land and building is, is one of your top options. But they'll protect you from just really obvious mistakes and, and also they'll protect you from some of the more hidden pitfalls. But ultimately, they're gonna have your interest in mind and help you capitalize on the transaction. And if they do that, they're gonna save you what's usually minimum tens of thousands of times. It's literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. So in, in one statement, I would say, hire expert representation that will make sure that you capitalize on the opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. Colin, thanks so much for joining us and sharing these insights today about healthcare real estate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And um, just just thankful to have the chance to help healthcare providers uh, get the information that they need to be as successful as possible.
0: Thanks again to Colin Carr. If you're interested in learning more on healthcare real estate or hear Colin speak live, You can join us at MGMA's annual conference, October 13th through 16th in New Orleans. Registration is now open. For more information and to register, visit mgma.com slash big easy. Thanks again for being an MGMA Insider. I'm Daniel Williams.